Once again, I want to welcome you to this second service. I deeply appreciate God for this awesome privilege and God's servant in the house who is on official assignment. The prophetic focus for this month remains Breakthrough is my heritage in Christ. And the teaching series unveiling the breakthrough power of love. In the first service, God's servant, the associate pastor, spoke quite extensively. It was a season of the outpouring of God's word to his people. I may not be able to repeat all of them, but one thing that is very sure is that the showers are here. And the love we express for God is a strong platform for us to access the showers. In this service, I'll be taking part 4B, unveiling the breakthrough power of love. And it's important we start by looking at what love is. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 15, that good understanding is what procures or brings about favor because the way of the ignorant is hard. So what is love? As God's servant clearly stated in the first service, love in the kingdom can be defined as loving whatever God loves. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, so loved. The emphasis is the extent of love that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So anyone that claims to love someone or something must of necessity love what that person loves or stands for. So loving whatever God loves is the first definition of love. One thing we need to understand as kingdom citizens is the fact that God is a God of emotions and he has needs. We frustrate God and his graces upon our lives when we ignore this. Most times, the challenge we have serving God productively is because we overlook this kingdom principle. God has emotions and he has needs. Scattered all over the scriptures. You will notice this. And God's greatest desire is that all men be saved. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 and 4. So God wants us to partner with him in accomplishing this. God has needs. In Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 and 7. God began to speak out of frustration. The man that he created to have fellowship and serve him, they have chosen other things. In fact, God was the one that initiated a covenant. He looked around and discovered that it's only Noah that was doing what was right in his eyes. He called Noah and said, look, let us have a covenant. Serve me and the blessings will come. So God has needs. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 19, 45, 19, Isaiah, you can see God also letting out his emotions. He says, I have not spoken in the secret, in a dark place of the earth, 
I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. God has needs. Isaiah chapter 63 verse 5. It says, and I looked and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to help hold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation unto me. God has needs. It's important we understand this. Because in any productive relationship, you don't please a man by always collecting from him. That is not faith. That faith that will make you always go to God to collect but whenever it is time for you to give God, that faith becomes weak. It's not faith. It is fake. God has needs. So if we continue to place demand on God and his promises without recognizing that he also has needs, we will run into problems doing business with him. So when God demands that we love him, it's a demand that must make us choose God and what pleases him above every other thing. So when we claim to love someone and yet we hate what that person likes, the relationship will have serious problems. If you look in homes today, the truth is that there is no complementarity of love. Everybody seems to be doing his own thing his own way. God has needs. So our faith in him should not just be strong when we have need. God has needs. Number two, a God-first lifestyle. A God-first lifestyle. Matthew chapter 22 verse 36 Matthew 22, verse 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? That's the disciples asking Jesus. A God-first lifestyle. As God's servant in the house has noted severally in this place, one thing that God hates with passion is to play second fiddle. God either becomes first in your life or you have a problem with him. Exodus chapter 20 verse 5, the Bible makes us to realize that God is a jealous God. Hear this. Whatever thing you place above God, God's jealousy will fight it. Whatever, whether your husband, wife, children or whatever, Whatever you place above God, his jealousy will fight it. God is a jealous God. And of course, it's an extension of love. God's first priority. For instance, the, the, the kind of passion we show when watching football, when our clubs are playing. The kind of passion we show when we are discussing football, when our clubs are playing. If you can have that same passion in marketing Jesus, you'll have a very robust relationship with God. God's first priority. Lifestyle. Number three, a kingdom priority lifestyle. 
Matthew 6.33 is the scripture everybody here should know. Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Our love for God and the kingdom is determined by actions we take to promote God's kingdom, not just what we say. Our utterances and actions must constantly reassure God that we are in the issue of soul winning and retention together. When whatever glorifies God or pleases him becomes our priority, we will have a very good relationship with him. I recall sometime in 1998, I was planning to get to, to wait, you know, and I had gathered the whole money 1998. And then the issue of the, you know, faith came up. Two months to the time, God spoke to me that I should give that money. In fact, the first thing happened to me that I got confused. I thought it was a dream. You, you know, I mean, this is something I had gathered, planning for my wedding. But God said, release it. Hear this. Anytime God places a demand on you, is because the showers are about to fall. To the glory of God, I obeyed. Gave that money. And everything I used for my wedding, they were all seeds. Products of the profits God gave to me. God, the kingdom priority lifestyle. In 2009, I desired so much because when I came to this church, I discovered that things were really working. And I desired to take this church to my, my, my hometown. We had acquired six plots of land. In fact, we had started molding blocks where I would build. But God said, I should release it. It's not these days where you have to, you know, be told to bring out, you know, uh, locations and all of that where churches will be planted. In those days, the regional headquarters for Southeast was in Enugu. I had to make an application. In fact, they had to send people to come and inspect the place to make sure it was okay. 2009. And I released it. Not just releasing it. I also, uh, we, my family, we acquired a property, refurbished it so that they can take off there pending the time this one will be okay. It's, it's, see, there is the dimension of seed sowing. There is the kind of seed you sow, you become a territory taker. There is the kind of seed you sow, you will just be winning souls. Now, to the glory of God, that church became the first church within two local governments in my area. Today, over 50 churches have been planted. Now, hear this, hear this. In the kingdom, there are investment opportunities. When you target investments and sow, the returns on investment will continue. You can imagine 50 standing churches today. And to the glory of God, it's connected to what we had done in 2009. It's a long-term investment. Most time I travel, I travel because I need to see what is happening in those places. Somebody will just be here saying, ah, this man is always traveling, traveling, traveling. But you don't know what I'm doing secretly. Hear this. This race is personal. This race remains personal. Don't use another person's marking scheme. Don't use another person's scheme of work. God is not bound to assess you on the basis of another man's scheme of work. You have a personal relationship with him. Face God. Kingdom. Priority lifestyle. 
So what is it in love that engenders breakthrough? Number one, love stirs our heart for the house of God from where giants are raised. Psalm 122 verse 1 to 6, God's servant read it, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of God. Now verse 6 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. Now Psalm 84 verse 7 said, they go from strength to strength, every one of them is Zion, appearing before God. Verse 10 says, for a day in the courts, in thy courts, is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in God's house. The house of God is where sons and daughters of God gather to have access to divine secrets that make them go out and excel. The house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is where kingdom giants are made. There are times you discover that God's servant will be preaching, but the kind of message that is coming to you is totally different. How many of you have had that experience? Those are divine secrets. Those are the things that make for high flyers. The house of God is where you come. You catch fire and you go outside and burn to the glory of God. Secrets are best shared in inner chambers. They are not roadside issues. Every kingdom giant is a fellowship addict. That explains why the psalmist says he was glad when he was told, come, let's go to the house of the... Because he knows there, there are transformations. He knows there, there are certain secrets that will make for business breakthrough. He knows there, when you get there, there are certain secrets that will make for your promotion. It knows that there, there are certain secrets that will terminate every form of barrenness. He knows there, when you get there, healing is available. I was glad. How do you feel when you are coming to church? You see, when you begin to read the life of David, you'll understand why he was a, you know, a fellowship addict. There was a particular battle he fought. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 to 12. If not because he was always communing with God, he would have died. If he had adopted human reasoning. He went and fought a battle and helped, you know, these people. And at the end of the day, when the enemy came, those people wanted to give him out. If he had said, oh, one good turn deserves another, he would have died. I was glad when they said, let's go into Because that's where secret comes. Another time he was confronted with a very great difficulty. 1 Samuel 30 verses 1 to 12. 1 Samuel 30, 1 to 12. His household was carried captive. In fact, to the extent that they said they were going to stone him. The Bible says he inquired from the Lord because he has a relationship with God. Now, God told him to pursue that he will without fail recover. But in verse 12, the Bible says that he saw an Egyptian. And this Egyptian became sick. In fact, the former people had abandoned him because to them he was a nobody. He's not, he was not useful. He was abandoned. But a man that is always having camping around God. When his people brought that man, that Egyptian, in fact, they were shocked to their marrows when David told them that they should give him food and give him water. Is that conventional wisdom? Somebody that 
Say, look, I was part of the team that came and destroyed your house and carried the other one. Do you now reward him by saying they should give him food and give him water? Is it not to deal him with some slaps first and beat him to a point that he will know that, look, you, 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 you messed around. But that is conventional wisdom. But divine wisdom told him, give him food, give him water. If David had killed that guy, he would have cut off the source of his recovery. Now, hear this. The reason why Nigeria is passing through the problem they are passing through today is because kingdom giants have not come on the scene. But hear this, but they are coming. I say they are coming. See, what is happening in Nigeria, you don't need conventional wisdom to handle it. You need divine wisdom. The things others abandon, you will pick it up, turn it around, and you become a mighty man. That's what happens when you come to the presence of the Lord to tabernacle with him. Number two, love drives us to share the good news with others. Love drives us to share good news with others. Romans 8.35 Say, what shall separate us from the love we have for God? As a kingdom star, you should be delighted sharing the good news of God with others, especially those who don't know him. An undying, an undying passion to win soul is a cardinal proof of our love for God. Anything you are passionate about, you will pursue it with vigor. You don't need supervision to pursue something you are passionate about. That you are being told to go and win souls and win ten souls every now and then. And ah. God keeps records. If, for instance, you are told that if you come around and you bring one soul, you'll be given one million. In other words, one soul is equal to one million. Ah, there are some people who will not leave this place. In fact, there are some who will snatch other people's souls. But you see, when you are, when you are doing business with God, you get much more than what you... It says, eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. It has not entered into the heart of any man what God has prepared. Look, if the same passion with which you fall, watch football... The same passion with which you run if it were to be an issue of getting one soul and giving you one million, you don't run with that same passion. Watch the thermometer of your love with God. So love drives us to share the good news with others. The truth is that if our love for God is not hotter, than the hottest love we have for any other person, God will, we will not get the best from God. For instance, have you woken up one night and said, look, the reason why I'm waking up is not because of my problems. It's because I want to see souls saved. Now, you might be here, you travel a lot just like me, but you see, there is no reason that is tenable before God why you will not. Assuming you always are the rig, you can pray. You can make calls. You can send SMS. What I normally do, which I've said several times, anytime I'm traveling, I will go to the follow-up team and collect lists, names of new converts and first-timers, wherever I am on the face of this earth, 
I will be able to get across to them. Paul plants. Apollos waters. God is not asking you who brought that person you're following up in the first instance. Do your own bit. You see, many of us, we lack understanding of how kingdom matters operate. Many of the people today that I'm following up, I didn't bring them to church. Even though I have my own converts. There was a time I traveled, I was told that one of my converts wanted to commit suicide. I didn't bring him. But he quickly set out and I met with him and sorted out whatever the issue is. You don't need to make noise to know that you're working for God. It remains a secret thing. When he sees you doing certain things in the secret, he knows how to blow you up in the open. Love drives us to share good news. Number three, love unleashes the blessings of God on the believers. Love unleashes the blessings of God on the believers. God is not a user of men. If you look at Isaiah 51, 1 to 3, talking of Abraham, how that he called him alone and blessed him. Now, he was called in Genesis chapter 2 by chapter 13 of Genesis God had blessed him in all things. God is not a user of man. It makes, the passion we have for God makes him to go beyond our expectations to bless us. If God cannot trust you, he can never bless you. God can never empower those who have no regard for him. It does not matter how long you fast and pray. It does not even matter whether you sleep here. God, as long as by, you know, if you're dealing with human beings, you will be able to play around them. But this is the God that searches the heart of men. So you can't play, you can't mock him. Even before you begin to think about it, he knows. Many of us today, the reason why we have not been getting the best from God is because we give him conditions. You do this, I'll do this. God doesn't operate like that. If you read Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 to 15, you will understand. The first set of people that we are called told him. They, they, they entered into a bargain. First and foremost, that look, I will do this job, but you're going to pay me one dollar. But the other said that he made much later, you know, he just made them and said, why are you idle? He said, because nobody has hired us. He said, okay, go into the field also. Whatever thing is good, there was no bargain. There was no condition. So even if the master decided not to pay them, they will not take him to court. But these other people who first of all bargained, they were shocked that when the master was to pay, he paid everybody the same. If you want to get the best from God, stop giving him conditions. Now, hear this. The, co the covenants are there as a guide. But if you begin to deal with God just on the basis of the covenant, you will not get the best from him. That's why somebody like God's servant, the apostle over this commission, will tell God, even if you don't bless, even if there is nothing like heaven, I will still follow you. There are people who will go beyond the covenant. See, the covenant is the first step in our relationship with God. If you want to get the best from God, there are some people today who are not just paying 10% as tight. They have gone beyond that. Look at the Hebrew boys. They said, look, we know that our God, he will defend us. But if he chooses not to defend us, when your faith moves from just ordinary faith to trust, you have crossed over. 
even tell God that because, you know, it's because I went out to win souls. That is why I'm suffering what I'm suffering. That's why I'm beaten. That's why people are mocking me. So what? Look at Paul and Silas. Acts of the Apostles chapter 16 verse 25. No, they would have resorted and said, ah, God, what is this after all? I was of my own and you called me. Why should I be in prison? But the Bible says they lifted their hands to heaven and began to sing. Get to a point that God will know that, look, we are in this thing together. We are in this thing together. Look at a woman who gets married and now the husband has been doing marvelously well and now there is a little challenge and now she now begins to quote, he that is not able to provide for his family is worse than an infidel as, you know. I mean, you can imagine that. God desires a relationship, not just an affair. God desires a relationship, not just an affair. Understand how things operate in the kingdom. If you understand how things operate in the kingdom, you'll be able to cheaply handle the things that you're looking for. These are the things that should be added. But many of us are running after these things. Please understand how to corner God and you get the best of him. Lastly, love turns believers to grand commanders of the supernatural. Love turns believers to commanders of the supernatural. In Acts of the Apostles chapter 14 verse 11, the Bible says that when the people saw what Paul did, they said this is not an ordinary man, it's a God. If you walk with God in sincerity of purpose, you will collide with the supernatural. The supernatural is something that is beyond the natural. Which cannot be explained by natural reasoning. How can you explain that Abraham, 100 years, Sarah, 90 years, could give birth to a child? How can you explain that somebody like Joseph, a prisoner, a slave, will not become the prime minister? Or Daniel, that was sold into slavery in Babylon will now rise to serve four kings in their generations. How can you confirm or imagine somebody like Esther, a peasant girl, a village girl, to become a queen in a province of over 120, I mean, in, in, a, in, a, in a kingdom of over 120 provinces? These are pointers to the supernatural. What God can do. He says, eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. It has not entered into the heart of man. 1 Corinthians 2.9 What God. If you want to be the best, always give God your best. The first time in 2001, I was able to earn, you know, a currency that's not Naira. I didn't pay tight. I just gave it to God. And one time, much later, God told me, if I give you Isaac, don't bring Ishmael to me. Please understand how to deal, do business with God in the kingdom. As I begin to round up, today is our showers of blessings. And we will not escape the showers. In the precious name of Jesus in the natural, there are certain signs that will tell you that it's season of rainfall. Most times, before the rains come, there will be thunder. There will be lightning. 
there will be heavy wind. The things that we are seeing in the world today, they are pointers to the fact that it is time for the Christians to be empowered. I can't hear an amen. amen. See, the wind, the thunders, the lightning, those in the world, they see this as challenges and problems, and that's why you see riots everywhere. Even the governments, they don't know what to do again. Not just here, but outside. But these are the times for those who do know their God. To understand that they, this is the season of empowerment, of showers, of blessings. Like God's servant said, when it is season of showers of blessings, there are certain things and how we can position ourselves. And how do we do this? He said, when it is season of showers of blessings, you discover that you, it is your season to be divinely empowered. It's a season that you are preferred. It's a season that you are favored. It's a season that you become a standard, just like Joseph. It brings about increases. You operate in unrestrained showers of blessings, just like Jesus, after he was baptized, the Bible says that the heaven over him opened up. I see someone coming under heavy showers of blessings. But how do you access that? You must be born again. God can never empower his enemies. You must be born again. No matter your condition, God is here to change your story. All you need to do is to come on his side. Check it now. All this while you have been on the other side, what has been happening? That's why we have a lot of dryness. That's why we have a lot of stagnation, a lot of frustration. You are not even sure of the future. But once you come on his side, he begins to beautify you. The showers will begin to come. In the precious name of Jesus, put your hands together for Jesus. Before God's servant comes, you're here, you're not born again. Please understand that this is your finest hour. It's your finest hour. And I want everybody to rise up. You're here. Let everybody rise up, please. You're here. You're not born again. Place your right hand on your chest and begin to speak to God now. And say, Lord Jesus, Today I've made my choice to come to you. I know I'm a sinner. I know the reason why things have not been working for me is because I've not made you the Lord of my life. But today I say yes to you. Become my Lord and Savior. Change me. Change my story. Write my name in the book of life. And give me reason to rejoice. You have prayed that prayer. And you sincerely want to terminate every issue of suffering. Every issue of stagnation. Every issue of dryness in your life. You want God to beautify you. I want you to come straight to the altar. 
God wants to alter every negative things that are standing against you. Whatever has been a barrier in your life, this is the season. He said, try me now if I will not open the windows. The reason why you have been stagnated is because you have neglected him. But now, you are not here by mistake. You have been brought here because God wants to change your story. Don't allow somebody to talk to you. The spirit of God is talking to you. Whether you are outside, inside, on the gallery. God wants to change your situation. If you want to give him chance. As they come, please put your hands together for Jesus. As we invite God's servant.